The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, Happy New Year! Happy so New Year, or, or as... They said in trading places, Merry New Year. Merry, Merry New mm-hmm. Year. That's right. I'm so excited to be back. Your, impre- your impressions need a little bit of work. I'm not even <laughs> trying to do that impression. I will offend people all over the place. Uh, I'm so excited to be back again doing this with you in 2022. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun again this year. I don't know if you saw, we, we did our Best Stuff show last week. We did 103 interviews last year. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. And they were good. Well, does that include us asking questions of each other? No, no, that's just 105. That's just with other guests. Okay. And uh, so we'll have some great guests on today. We got Keith Pompey another day, but we'll still have some Sixers talk. We've got Dave Spadaro at 420 to talk some Eagles. Chris Clary from the New York Times at 440 to talk Australian Open and Novak Djokovic stranded in another country right now. With yeah, the, the, being the called the Joker couldn't be more appropriate than that. Yeah, we're going to get to that <laughs> one. Don't you worry. So, all right, I'm going to get to Flyers in a minute, but I got to ask yeah. you about New Year's because when I last left you, you were headed to watch a football game. Now, in fairness, as I asked this, Rutgers played before your team and I got a lot of terrible score alerts and did not have a good day. I left you two years. I, I kind of wish I got terrible score alerts as I, opposed I, to seeing it live. <laughs> I left you to yourself to go and, and watch. Tell me the the atmosphere, the experience watching the Michigan game separate from the end result. Okay. So I won't tell you from a Michigan alum perspective to start. Okay. Going to a going to a bowl game or, or to a playoff game like that, where it's two schools that or two fan bases that are that rabid is the coolest experience because it's it's about 50-50 in the stadium. So you're hearing a totally different game experience than the people on the other side. While you're cheering, the other side is booing, but you can't hear them boo. Because you're surrounded by, I don't know how many people fit in, in that. Uh, I was about to age myself and call it Joe Robbie Stadium. But <laughs> hard Rock Stadium. <laughs> the Hard Rock Stadium. But you can't hear the other side because you're surrounded by people that are doing basically the same thing as you are, which in my case was weeping. So weeping uh yes. yeah. but it is it's a great experience from the the pomp and circumstance to the tailgating beforehand i mean that was obviously good we got to see our our, our guest of a few weeks ago and, and leroy uh who once again told me that there was no way they were going to lose this game he had full confidence uh, jeff it just yeah and and, and and i'm not quite sure other than kickoff when i had a chance to cheer yeah, neither bowl game was very good. They were mm-hmm. never competitive. Um, I'm hoping that Alabama, Georgia is better. For some reason, Georgia's the favorite right now. Alabama. I wouldn't know because I'm not watching. I, I figured you might be boycotting, which is a shame because you had tickets to the game if, if Michigan was there. So, yeah, well, guess what? So, well, oh, some, darn, uh, no trip to Indianapolis. Someplace you did go last night. Unfortunately for you as well. <laughs> yeah, me and sporting events don't go well together these days. But guess Flyers game, and um, they were decimated going into the game. They were down nine players. They got rolled by the Penguins. 
I don't even think that's the biggest story out of last night right now, the day after. So we'll get to the Flyers play and their health in a minute. But Jeff, you saw a post from Chris Terrian right before we went on the show. And I had seen something about it last night. Why don't you tell our listeners why some fans are outraged at what the Flyers did not do yesterday? Well, I think it's not just some fans. I would guess that anybody who's a Flyer fan who has any knowledge of the history of this organization knows that Ed Snyder was the lifeblood, the beginning, the middle, and, and not hopefully not the end, but of this organization. And this organization was built on Ed Snyder. And, and he passed away a few years ago and Comcast now is the team, but for some reason, Comcast decided we're not even going to say a peep about him at the game, not a word or on their social media or no. anywhere. Well, I mean, to be fair, Lou, I mean, Lou Nolan, who, who is the voice of the flyers, um, he, he posted something on his own correct. to which good on Lou, but the flyers yeah. as an organization, did not avail themselves of any opportunity to recognize Ed Snyder, despite the moment of silence before the game that they had. Um, it seems like there's a lot of fans that are pretty upset about this. Well, here, here's the hypocrisy of that. You go to a Flyers game, and what are they promoting besides gritty? They're promoting the bullies are back. The Broad Street bully, the, the, that, that cachet still exists within the Flyers to promote it to the fans. But what they don't seem to promote is Mr. Snyder. And what they don't seem to be promoting is even the history of the organization. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I just showed you right before we came on that I went to a Sixers game and the Sixers are honoring the spectrum and their history in the spectrum by their, their new jerseys, the, the logos that they're using with the spectrum logo, all of that stuff. But somehow the Flyers are doing none of this. It's very interesting. The Flyers do not publicize their past as much past that bully slogan, which is more of a marketing tool at this point than uh, yeah. factual statement because they don't bully anybody. In fact, if you watch the game, they get bullied all game. It's And that's when they have players in the lineup. Tell me about the product you saw on the ice last night. That product was one of the worst products I've ever seen for a hockey game. A professional hockey game and 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 part of it is through no fault of the flyers because of, of what's going on with covid because they're missing their two best offensive players their two best defensive players but what is evident from watching the flyers this entire season is carter hart is just being hung out to draw out there and yesterday was no different with several breakaways um and turnovers right in front of the net is that from all accounts of people who know anything about hockey much smarter than, than than me and maybe you um, is is that when when it comes to hockey, Carter Hart's having a very good season. You wouldn't know that in Philadelphia though, because he is getting a barrage of shots right in front of him. Some of which he's made. He made some incredible saves last night, but for the most part, there he's just uh, they're just launching shots at him. It's like watching the pregame with the way that they're just peppering shots at him. And I don't know what what you. You, the worst thing that you can do with a young goalie is put him in that position. It would be worse without him, without some of those saves that he's made that have been spectacular. And you're right. You know, for somebody who was coming off a shaky year last year, 
to be able to get back some of that mojo and feel comfortable back there and then have your team not even put up any type of defense on some of these shots. Look, the Flyers have lost four straight after a seven-game point streak from December 10th to the 30th. Mm -hmm. There's 13-15-6, but regardless of who's in the lineup, they give up the first goal so much. When their opponents score first, they're 2-13-2 this season. Like, it's just, when they're trailing after one period, they're 1-11. Like they, they play from behind all game and then they make this effort in the second or the third period. And it's like, well, we played well, but we just couldn't close it out. We just couldn't catch up. And it's like the game started at seven o'clock last night. <laughs> like you should have been there at the start then if you played so well at the end. And so I'm trying and I'm trying to figure out with a lot of these teams in the city, what is injuries and COVID and what is actual deficiencies in the team? I kind of have the same questions about the Sixers when we get to them. Is this team good enough healthy to play? Because that didn't look like well, it. To- well, so you just asked a question to play or to be in the playoffs? To be in the playoffs. Clearly, they can go out on the ice. They're, I think they're not far out of the playoffs, despite the way that they've played over the last month, month and a half. That's what's shocking. Is that you know the mediocrity of of most of the NHL at this point, partly because of COVID um, and the number of players that are in and out. You're not getting any consistency. But I but I would be willing to bet that if you had if every every team had every player back in at full strength, the Flyers would still look really bad. They had three 20 year old, 21 year olds that played 18 minutes the other night. Their lineup featured seven players with fewer than 100 games experience. That's not a professional product that you're putting out there. And I don't know if that falls on the NHL. I get that they took the break for COVID. They're not going to the Olympics. I understand. But fans pay a lot of money to go to those games. Actually, Jeff, you were saying you don't have to. If you go on StubHub, there's good seats available right before the game now. Yeah, I w- there's no reason to buy them directly from them. You might as well just wait until the last minute, and then people who have them are just trying to dump them at this point. And that's there's still we- there still were a decent number of people there. I was surprised they don't get there on time for the beginning of the game, which, as you said, they should if they want to see a zero zero game. But because <laughs> if you once you're there five or six minutes, you're behind, and that's it. As a team, though, that would concern me that the fan base is not showing up. So you have a fan base that's apathetic now. Who they're going to go you have an that. ownership group that's apathetic now. That's the problem. Oh, you got that in a couple of our teams. That's the problem. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, but you're right. And so, do you have confidence they'll turn it around? Like, it's funny. If you would ask people this the, year, no, not this year in no. general, at the start of the season, if you would have asked people which coach do you have the most confidence in, they were shaky on Doc from the past. They're not sure about Girardi after the way the Philly season was. They definitely weren't in on Sirianni, but they thought Alan Vigneault was going to be the steady coach. He's fired. He's not even here anymore. And so the, the upheaval in this organization is unbelievable. And I don't know as a fan base, what, what product are you buying into now? You're clearly buying into the, the crest on the front of the jersey. But what does that mean anymore for this team other than a marketing slogan and a cool mascot? Zero. And, and that's, that's the answer. It's, it's, it's that simple. It's, it, right now, the team has no identity. Uh, it, it's, it's Claude Giroux, it's Gritty, and it's Carter Hart. 
And I'm not joking. That, that, that's it. That's, that's your organization right now. You have a bunch of guys who the, the names on the back of the jerseys, you, some of them you recognize, but they're now 35, 36, 37, 38 years old. Like seeing Keith Yandel on the team would have been great 10 years ago. He's not seeing him on the team now. Not so great. Not the same Keith Yandel at all. Can I be the get off my lawn guy for a second? Sure. You were at the game last night, so you didn't deal with this. Mm -hmm. I was actually looking to watch the game on TV. That wasn't possible last night, Jeff. It was only streaming on ESPN plus or Hulu. I didn't really like the buffering on my device while I was trying to watch the game. Now, I know that means I should get new internet and we can complain about that separately. Uh But I know that if I turn on my TV, I don't have buffering. And it's the same company that provides me my internet and my TV. Congratulations. You need to start going to early bird specials. Uh, well, I, I, I'm okay with that. Like, and, and I'm a streaming guy. I, I like you got me into Ted Lasso on Apple yeah. Plus. We live on streaming services. Well, with that's people. different than that's different than sports. But though, this you know. isn't like I just I've got this great TV, and here I am watching this stream on my iPad. How many people noticed? But none, because nobody's watching. That's like, my that's point. Like, you. You notice because you'll watch anything that even is called a sport. I mean, if they put that, I, I don't know anything about Harry Potter, but the thing where the with the brooms and stuff like that, you would probably watch that on ESPN, the Ocha. Funny you should say that. What oh, did I text Lord, you? you watch this? What did I text you that I was watching over like New Year's time that you said I need to get a life and not watch it? I don't remember what it was. What was Bob it? Sledding and skeleton yes. championships. Oh, now I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did, I did say that's it. You're done. Yes, you, you were not a fan of me watching this. Okay, mm-hmm. so the NHL is out of the Olympics. They're back after COVID. Uh, do you have an interest in watching at this point if the Flyers aren't good? Or is the NHL kind of, eh, I'll watch it if it's on. I won't go out of my way for you now. I'll watch it every once in a while. I mean, I've I've actually gone to other stadiums where the fan base and the teams are doing well. I saw an Avalanche game a few months ago out in Colorado. I saw a Tampa Bay game a couple weeks ago, and that was exciting to go to. But when you've gotten to the point that a, a fan base as good as Philadelphia is, is, is not showing up, and not through their own fault, but not showing up anymore, and you can go and say the Tampa Bay fan base is better. I was going to say, did you ever think that you would find yourself saying on our radio show in the time that we've been doing this, that the atmosphere at a Tampa Bay Lightning game was better than the atmosphere at a fly? Never, never. It's, it's stunning the fall because you remember, look, when we talked to Lou Nolan, I always tell him it brings back memories of going with my dad to the spectrum and the atmosphere and those fights and everything. And it's just such a shell of that anymore. And, and it's mm-hmm. like, if you're not into the extracurricular activities in terms of the stuff on the screen and the music and the contests and gritty, the product itself isn't really anything to write home about right now. Yep. I just don't know what your selling point is as a well, f- uh, salesperson. Well, the, on the other hand, the Sixers won five in a row. So there, there's your positive. They Hop back on your lawn. Why don't we hit the break? We'll come back and we'll talk some Sixers before we get some Spadero. Let's just get our break out of the way. We'll go okay. right to it. We'll come back. We'll get some Sixers. We'll do Spadero and we'll talk more Sixers. Okay. Stick mm-hmm. with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. 
They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, I'll hope to work out the echo so you don't have to hear me multiple times. It's bad enough that you have to No, hear- I only hear myself multiple times. So now, now I'm going to put on a team that is recognizing their history. So you've got on the Sixers throwback uniform hats, which you and I yeah. went to the team together, and I kept telling you how much I was in love with this branding. It's spectacular. And what's, and what's on the side of the hat there? When, uh, when the, the Zoom spectrum, thing goes? Yeah. The Spectrum logo. The Spectrum logo. So, so why is it that the Flyers aren't, as far as I know, I haven't seen any promotions talking about the Flyers in the Spectrum. Yeah, I never. Aren't they, aren't they the ones that built the Spectrum? Yeah, they were. I mean, oh. <laughs> it, it, it's just confusing to me. So, But you saw the Sixers this week, too, and they're going to come back home tonight to play the Spurs. They're 21 and 16. They're fifth in the East. I find it hard to figure out what this team actually is between who's in injury, out with injuries, who's in protocol, the Ben situation, all of that. What did you see when you went down to the Sixers this week before we have Spadaro come on? Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid. I mean, I got to see him have a triple-double. I think he was the first first Sixer to have 30-plus points, 15-plus rebounds, and 10-plus assists since Charles Barkley 30-some-odd years ago. Uh, but that's what you're seeing right now. He's he's had what five games in a row, all of which they've won, where he scored 30 plus points. Um, but it's it's him right now. He's carrying this team. He is now doing what Charles Barkley and and Shaq had criticized him for not doing. The problem is you don't know what you have with the rest of the team because of the juggles in and out of the lineup of players, and because you have Ben Simmons holding down a roster spot, and hope more importantly holding a whole bunch of money that they can't use on other players. And until they get that straightened out, the answer is what you have is a team that will be anywhere from the fourth seed to the sixth or seventh seed that'll get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs unless they figure this out. Sixers had some run with Embiid and Drummond in the lineup the other night. It seemed to work, actually. That's a It changed it up. It's not something that you're going to want to do consistently. No, right? That can't work. Yeah, no. Right. That 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 was a very good move by by the Sixers, but it was not something that you can have su- 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 sustained success. I just yeah, want to. I didn't learn how to speak success. until 2022. Yeah, I just want to keep having you say that over and over again. It'll be fun. Okay. Anybody surprised you who's gotten some run on the court? Uh, you know, Seth Curry's obviously stepped up at times. Isaiah Joe, who's in protocol now as well. Right, but it's not consistent with him. He comes in, he does well. Now, now, I will tell you, I have noticed that his defense is, is woeful. It's, it's not particularly good. But the Sixers as a team defense is awful when Matisse is not in there. Like, I keep saying as much as I like Matisse, the problem with Matisse is how long can you go with him just being a really good defender but not having any offensive game when he is not in there? You really see how important he is to this team. His defense is that spectacular. It seems like you almost need to find offense around him just to keep him on the court for your defensive posture and structure. Jeff, why don't we leave it there? Um, 
it's Eagles Dallas week. It's the last game of the regular season. Birds are headed to the playoffs. Who better to talk to than Eagles insider Dave Spadaro? Dave, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes, man. Up, we can't hear you just yet. We'll get you up in one sec. Wes, if you can punch Dave up there. Jeff, as while we wait for Dave to get up, so it's amazing the roller coaster of this team, and we'll ask Dave about it. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of how it started, what, what's your thoughts on where the team is now? Uh, in a much better spot than I thought they were going to be when the season started. I mean, did anybody expect that that we would be able to, or that the, the Eagles would be able to be in the playoffs? Playoffs? No, not at all. I, and by the way, I thought Dave was on the right line. We'll still try to get him. That's my screw up, Jeff. I can't read, apparently. Uh, no, I, I did not. Look, you know me. I, I picked them for 6 and uh, 11, I think, and had zero expectations for the season and told plenty of guests right. that I had zero expectations for this. Yeah, but, you, but we go through this every week. You, you always have zero expectations. This isn't new. So it's it's hard to to judge how good a team is based on your expectations. Well, now, wow. what's more important is whether or not we can judge the team and how they've done based on Dave Spadaro's expectations. So hopefully right now we have Dave Spadaro. Happy New Year, Dave. How you doing? Hi, guys. Happy New Year. How is how's everybody doing? We're fantastic. I get to watch the Eagles play more. Life is good. I know. Was- it's great, isn't it? <laughs> You know, we talked to you last before the season started, I think, and, and we were saying to you, okay, what have you seen from from Nick Sirianni? Because you're the only one who's seen him. Now we've all seen him this whole season, and and it's been an amazing roller coaster from the start to where we are now. What's the feeling around the team, and what have you seen? Uh, the feeling is really excited. I mean, it's a team that's won seven of its last nine games. It's changed its personality offensively and had success doing so. Um, that has a a young draft class that's really contributed, a young quarterback who's improved greatly. Um, so, I mean, it's really been a, a really nice turnaround from a, a tough start. Two and five was not easy. Uh, and Nick has been, as I expected him to be, genuine, sticking to what he believes in, no matter how many people think that, you know, uh, playing rock, paper, scissors or making analogies to planting seeds in the ground and having the roots grow beneath the surface how those were received very skeptically, I think, by a lot of people. But Nick stuck to it, and and his team responded and stuck with him. And I think that's a really great credit to him. I, I've enjoyed how he's kind of embraced the the outrage over it at the time and kind of makes jokes every once in a while about it. Like, he recognizes that there was a reaction to it. But as a coach, he believed in what he was doing and stuck to it. And it looks like these players have completely bought in whether the outside world liked it or not. Yep. And that's, that's the whole thing. I mean, they've done so they've, they've look, I, I, I know everybody, how everybody feels about this team. And I think that's why going to the playoffs is going to be so exciting to see when they step up in competition, just where are the Eagles in terms of the NFC hierarchy? So uh, yeah, the team bought in the, you know, the, the Mark guys of, an organization to me, and I've said this before, every single team goes through a down cycle. And the best franchises come out of that down cycle very quickly. And so the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017, went to the playoffs in 18-19, albeit not convincingly, but went to the playoffs. Down year in 2020, bad season, and here they are back in the playoffs. 
and they've got three first-round draft picks next year. So, I mean, the present is very exciting. The future is extremely bright. You know, Dave, before the season started, when Sirianni first was hired, you came on here before anybody had a chance to actually see what he was like and how he was interacting with the players and, and told us and kind of cheered Jason up that, that you got the impression, what we were going to see is players that would be willing to run through a wall for him. How, how much of that are your, did, came true? That, that the players have not just bought into what he's selling, but who he is as a coach. Oh, agreed. All the way. I mean, it's really, that's very apparent. And also, you know, the Eagles have connected, the coaching staff really connected with the leaders of this team. And I think that that's an important component here. The Jason Kelsey's, the Lane Johnson's, the Fletcher Cox's, et cetera, Rodney McLeod's, all carried the message from the coach to the locker room. And the players followed. And so, you know, a really good first year, um, as it looks, you know, nine and seven heading into the finale tomorrow night and everybody's extremely encouraged. Look, the, the mark of the truly great coaches is longevity. We know that teams are certainly going to spend the off season looking at what the Eagles have done here. I think Nick's got a lot of creativity. I always remember thinking Chip Kelly, wow, this is really great. And I remember writing about it the first year they win the division, they play the saints, they lose a tough game and you go, okay, well that, that team was really loaded. Now what does Chip have up his sleeve for round two? Because everybody's going to scout, and, and be prepared for his tempo and for whatever he ran that 2013 season. And he had nothing else up his sleeve. I really believe Nick has a lot up his sleeve, and he's assembled a nice young coaching staff that related very well to the players. I've seen a lot of young players getting better, and to me that is a very, very positive sign that the coaching staff is doing the right thing. You know, you mentioned about adapting the offense and one of the at one of the press conferences earlier in the season, he talked about his brother who won in high school with three different types of teams with three different talent levels, three different offenses that they ran it at the time. People are like, why are you talking about your brother? But if you look back at it, he believes in that, that, that you really fit your player. So although it took a couple of weeks the, their ability to use their offensive line and go to the run. Can you talk about what you've seen from these backs and this line in terms of how they've just taken over? I mean, I kept telling Jeff, you know, you can look at who they're beating, but you got like seven weeks in a row of over 150 yards rushing. That's the NFL still, regardless of who the opponents are. Well, look, the run game is dominant because the offensive line is dominant. And I, I mean, I, I had a, a conversation with Jeff Stoutland last week and I asked him what was the strength of the offensive line. And he said, they're athletic ability to get to the second level. And when you have freaks like Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and Jordan Mailata, who are big, strong, fast, Landon Dickerson, who's just a, a creature from just, from just, who just, who just, um, he's just a young kid. who's just a great, great prospect. When you have an offensive line like that, then you can, you can do a lot of things. And so the Eagles have played to the strength of their offense. And that's the offensive line. And all four running backs have been contributors. You know, I wanted to ask you about the defense a little bit. Last week we saw against Washington, they, they gave up just 82 yards in the second half. But one of the players, his first 12 games, Josh, Josh Sweat had three and a half sacks. In the last four, he's had four and a half sacks. Can you talk about his improvement in the defense overall as they've gone on this season and figured out what identity they want to have out there? Yeah, yeah, it's really that's a really good player to bring up because, again, he's one of those young players who's gotten better. And I think when, when, what we've seen from Jonathan Gannon, and I, look, I think the defense 
will be severely tested in the playoffs. And it'll give the Eagles a really good indication of where they are with this D. Um, but, you know, they, with, with, when, when Jonathan Gannon has brought some pressure inside, it's allowed Josh Sweat to have a little bit more space on the edge, and he's just gotten better and better, and he really destroyed Washington last week, and that was great to see. He led the charge defensively. Loved seeing it from him. Young player. You know, that 2018 draft class, pretty interesting. That they, they traded away the first-round pick, and the Baltimore Ravens picked up Lamar Jackson. And the Eagles have signed all of those draft picks except for Matt Pryor, whom they traded to the Indianapolis Colts. So, uh, uh, you know, Sweat is one of those young guys that you kind of, you know, you really have to build around, and I think the Eagles are, are trying to do that defensively. I think the defense needs a lot more help. I think they know that. But Josh Sweat is somebody who can really be a, a force off the edge. Well, before we get to the playoffs, there is a game tomorrow night. I hope you're already breaking out your long johns for, for a night game on Saturday night at the beginning of January. What, what are we going to actually see tomorrow? It doesn't look like the Eagles have too much to play for. Same with the Cowboys. And so many players are in and out of protocols. What's tomorrow night going to look like? And what's the strategy for the Eagles? Is it just to make sure everybody comes out of the game healthy? I mean, that's an important part of it, obviously. You know, I, I don't know what Nick is going to do. I mean, in, in the past, obviously, we've seen coaches take this week and give the players a chance to rest. Um, so that's kind of what I was raised in. So I, I, that's what I kind of have always thought a coach would do and should do. I don't know. I, you can't rest every single starter, but there still are 11 players in the protocol. Um, so, and some of them are key starters. And so it's going to be tough for them to get back and, and play. And so we're going to see, I guess, a lot of backups. I mean, I can't imagine if, if Lane Johnson's out and I guess Kelsey's active now, or at least off the reserve list, but I'm not sure I'm putting Dalen Hurts out and have every starter. So we'll see. I mean, look, I, I think that for, there's a lot of young players here. This is an opportunity for them to play. This game does not have an impact in any of any significance in terms of their playoff seating. The Eagles aren't going like, hey, we'd rather play this team than that team. So I, my sense is that we'll see a lot of young players a lineup for both teams, but I really haven't gotten any sort of clear indication from Nick, from the coaching staff on that quite yet. You know, I, and I annoyed Jeff plenty with the Carson Wentz watch for where that draft pick would end up this season. As I followed along, you mentioned they have three draft picks. Now, how important is it to not only have those three draft picks, but develop this culture going to the playoffs to actually have yeah. that validation that the things you put in place got you where you wanted to go. And you can just keep building on that. Yeah, it's a great launching point. Again, the Eagles have rebounded from a really bad 2020 and are back in the postseason. And they've got a, a raft of 2021 draft picks who've played extremely well. The 2020 class has contributed a lot. And they've got all these draft picks, not just the three picks, but like 10 in the first five rounds. So there's a lot of draft. And, and by the way, a ton of cap room. Um, they were able to survive this Carson Wentz trade and, and take the cap hit and really, really smartly work the, the salary cap and sign players like you know Anthony Harris, who's uh, been a big addition, and they, dra- they 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 signed Flacco and then dealt him for for a draft pick. So just a lot of really good moves, maybe some under the radar that I think are going to pay off for this football team. And I do agree, 2021 is the launch point of a new generation for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, but it's not just a launch point. This isn't just a growth moment. I don't see Sirianni and this team saying that we're going into the playoffs to grow. I see them coming into this with the confidence that they think they can win. How far do you think when you that can, they yeah. can go? Well, if you can run the football uh, as the Eagles have run the football, now look, the last two weeks it's been a little bit tougher sledding. Teams are going to scheme to take stuff away. 
So Jalen has developed better as a passing quarterback from the pocket. I think that's extremely important. Look, look, the formula is don't turn the ball over, stay on the field offensively on third downs, uh, get off the field defensively on third downs, uh, and win in the red zone, and you have a chance to win. So I've, every team in the NFC is flawed, and uh, certainly the Eagles are flawed, no question. Um, but if you can run the football like that and you can win at the line of scrimmage and you don't turn the ball over, you know what? You can be very, very competitive. And this team is going in with a great attitude, and, and it, I really believe they will be extremely aggressive uh, come next week. From week one to now, what is the thing that has most impressed you about Jalen Hurts' development as a quarterback? I think the, the way he's uh, played from the pocket. And um, look, he's always been calm, cool, collected. He's always been a leader. He's been able to make plays with his legs. Teams have taken that away a little bit. And, you know, he threw for 296. And that was a really big moment for him. Um, nope, we lost you there, Dave. We lost Dave there for a second. Oh, Sorry, but no, I you got me. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. No, you got me. You got no me. problem. There you go. No, so I, 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 I think he's, he's, he's been able to overcome some slow starts. I think he's been able to win from the pocket more. Um, I think he's been able to see the different ways defenses are handling him and trying to take away that running game of his. So all of it, all in all growth, you know, it's really been uh, and, and won key games and won in the fourth quarter in some games. And, you know, and then, then look, there have been some slow starts here. He hasn't let that snowball. And I think that's been really important in his development also. He has to, he has to improve. Everybody everybody does. This is still a nine and seven team. I mean, if they were if we were talking about a you know a fourteen and two team, that would be a different conversation. But I have seen the guy started what eighteen games in his career. Uh, it's been very impressive. Nineteen games in his career. He's been impressive with his growth. All right. Well, last question for me. Um, I'm going to ask you to play fun general manager now. There, there's a guy on the, uh, that's in free agency right now that the Eagles could sign. Do you want them to sign Antonio Brown? Are you really asking no, that you. question, <laughs> No, no, no. It isn't, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't Antonio need ankle surgery? Uh, he needs something. Well, who, know, who knows? It changes from minute yeah. to minute. Dave, he needs nope. a T-shirt no, first. Um, yeah. I, we played that. I, I, remember the, I remember the Terrell Owens years all too well. Uh, no, no need for that anymore. Yeah, no. It, and it seems like that's one of the things about this team is the atmosphere and then and the team kind of concept around this. It's not about the individuals as much as it is about how those pieces fit together and how they can put them together as a team. So very, really very good about. point. That's very, very, very much the truth. The 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 sum is greater than the parts. Is that is that how you would say it? Right. That this team has yeah. played very good collective team football and it's been they, impressive they seem to have that same team camaraderie that the super bowl team had i don't know about that i mean that team was was a different animal i mean they were veterans they've been together for a couple of years carson was an experienced quarterback they they were blowing teams out i mean they were the number one seed i think they have good chemistry here we'll see i mean they've they've, they've weathered the storm of a, of a some really tough moments this year um but I, i'm not going to compare this team to a team that won the Super Bowl, I don't think that's a just comparison. Yeah. But they do, have, but they, but they are developing. It's a younger, it's a younger group here, um, and and they certainly have come together and, and turned the season around. And I and I'm really encouraged by that in the short term and certainly in the long term. Without a doubt. And look, we we always appreciate you giving a few minutes to talk about it in the short term and the long term. We hope you stay warm tomorrow night in the Dallas game. 
Cam. Wish you the best. Well, I've, I've got a, I've got a high, I've got one of my career highlights tomorrow. I'm I'm doing the PA announcing from the stand from the uh, broadcast booth. So that'll be one what? one assignment. Yeah. And then I'm and then I'm coming down to the field for halftime and doing play by play of the frisbee dog competition. So okay, I mean, a- it really doesn't get better than that. I might have to publicize this interview afterwards as interview with <laughs> the frisbee dog contest. Yeah, yeah. Dave, yeah. thanks. I mean, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch Best in Show all night long and just get ready for it. We know you'll be ready. You have a great time down there. All Take right, guys. Care. Thank you, guys. Happy New Year, to everybody. Take care. Take it easy. Take care. Happy New Year, Jeff. I love the frisbee dogs. I love that he's gonna be calling that. Do you really? I do. I find them highly entertaining. I also actually, like. Actually, I don't even know why I'm surprised by that. I also because like I'm guessing you've watched that on some station somewhere. Oh, they could put that on pay per view, and I'd buy that for sure. I would watch. Would for, you really? No, not pay per view, but I would definitely watch if it was on ESPN the Ojo. And, and in an earlier time, you would have bet on which one of the dogs would have <laughs> won, right? <laughs> in an earlier time in my life, I'd have bet on just about anything. <laughs> Let's stick to the football here. You no, know, I, I I was at the Eagles game a couple of weeks ago, and the frisbee dogs were out there. But there was one one dog who was kind of struggling. <laughs> Wasn't it to get the frisbee? Like, you always you always feel bad when there's like that this one dog who they, who they have go for the long ones, and he doesn't get any of them, and they're just wearing this poor dog out, and then all of a sudden, the dog just says, ah, forget it. I'm, I'm over <laughs> You know, you mentioned Antonio Brown. We should tell our listeners about the scene this week. Uh, he had an ankle injury. Supposedly, he was cleared to play, was playing against the Jets. You're really explaining this to people? Like, like who's listening to this has, has no idea what's going on with Antonio Brown? All right. Well, it's clearly he's not coming to the Eagles. <laughs> Jeff, your, your take on the situation. I, I had told you, um, I wonder what role people will assume mental health is involved, the contract situation, his own personality. Um, I know you cautioned against me playing medical doctor. So give your Well, take. no, not you. Here, here's the thing. If somebody comes out and says, and he and his representatives have come out and said, no mental health issue. Once they say that, I don't think it's a good idea to let him off the hook, which is what I'm hearing a lot of the last couple of days, because we have to treat him differently. He's saying you don't have to treat him differently. And then you look at the history of it. And maybe maybe it'll turn out that there are mental illness issues. Maybe he's just a bad guy. There is that possibility. And this I will the first t- team he's had this happen with. Exactly. I mean, and th- this whole thing about the ankle. Is was played out in Pittsburgh. He went through this before and said almost the same things. And so he has a history of even this. And, and when you, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. And I look at it from, I'll tell you, I looked at it from a lawyer that if I was going to have to represent the Buccaneers, when he's going to try to get these, these payments that are left for him, and he's going to say he couldn't play because his ankle was so bad, all I'm going to do is pull out the videotape and show him do it going the entire width of the field while his team is on the field, side to side, jumping up and down, doing jumping jacks. I didn't see him squint because he was wincing from any pain and he didn't limp like he was in any pain. So he may have some ankle issue. But if you ask me what happened, my guess is he was complaining. He wanted guarantees. And they weren't going to give him the guarantees on the contract. That's what Tampa Bay said. So then he had to meet his quotas for catches and yards and stuff like that. And he wanted to get them at the beginning of the game so he could sit out the second half of the game. He didn't get them. He went in at halftime, complained and complained and complained. 
And then he came out and something happened with Arian and said, that's it. I've had it with you. He totally could have gotten it too. They ended up coming back and Brady threw for a ton of yards. Exactly. To, to a guy who I don't think played college football. I think Grayson was like a sprinter in college. Yes, he was a sprinter. And there was always yeah. concerns about his catch. But Brady seems comfortable with him now. So he could turn. Brady seems comfortable with anybody. That's um, the thing. There are, there are very few people in professional sports that can elevate a team the way that he does. While we wait, wait to connect with Chris, we'll see when he opts on. I did want to ask you, John Madden passed away. And you and I were having this conversation. I have not seen the Madden special. You watched it with your It son. was great. But my question to you was, how many people know him just from his video game, not from his TV work or coaching career? And you were like right on it. You were like, oh, exactly. Tell me. Generations. Generations. So, so I remember John Madden's voice. I remember him calling games. I actually re- remember that he was, I think, the winningest coach in NFL history as far as, as far as winning percentage. But that's not what, not just one generation, multiple generations have grown up with just Madden, the game, the brand, and that's it. And, and he, the, he's had three different careers. You can count four if you talk about his marketing genius even before he was Madden the game. Who doesn't remember who's old enough his light beer commercials? And I mean, there's, and this is not a guy who you would, who people on, on Broadway or that are in these big media companies advertising companies would ever look at him and go, he's the kind of guy that should be the face of anything, right? But he he was the everyman, the way he called a game, the way he coached a game, the way he talked, the way the he treated people. Illustrated yes. how he could draw it up and explain it to you. To me, the novice who had never played the game, he could he could draw it right up on the screen. I'd love it. Boom. And like all of a sudden, you know, the that guy dance. Uh, like he had his phrases and terminology i really enjoyed the way him and summer all called the games when they were together i didn't remember that he had called so many more years after his time on fox he well he was just so people know fox and sports was not synonymous when when he was brought over from fox it was to give them a brand he gave fox credibility fox was the simpsons that was that's what Fox was. They Which didn't have fine. sports. Yes. The Simpsons is awesome. Yes. But they didn't have sports. And and they went and they got football and they got the number one guy. And everybody followed after that. And and, then, and yet your son, who's 18 years old now, mm-hmm. knows none of that. Yeah, and he knows a lot of sports stuff. He, he well, he knows it, but he he knows of it because we talked about it. But when we were watching the special, which by the way, that was another thing. When we talk about what happened with Ed Snyder, here's here's the complete opposite. Madden, they did this special on him, and he got to watch it over Thanksgiving with his family and the people that produced it right before he passed away. But the thing about Madden that always impressed me is, I got the impression, at least looking from the outside, that all of this was real him. This was none of it was an act that this this was and, and everybody that talked about him in that special talks about how genuine he was as a person. So when he was being the everyman calling a game so that people who didn't understand football could understand it, it really was just him being himself. It was very and I think that's what makes him so special. He was completely authentic in the way that he did it. And, um, you know, the impact that he had on the game and on 
generations of fans who learned to love the game. I mean, we talked about how excited players got when they ended up on the cover of Madden. It just became a cultural thing and a part of our culture, the Madden gaming system. So impact from an amazing man who is is gone. Uh, Jeff, the Super Bowl is looking for contingency plans. Good. I, I hope <laughs> You just don't like Stan Kroenke, so. But yeah, here's exactly. the deal: if they move from Stan Kroenke Stadium, do you know where yeah. they go to? Dallas. Jerry Jones' stadium. Is is that the contingency? There's no other other possibilities. And there isn't the likable person like Mark Davis. They can't move it to, to Las Vegas. I mean, it's I not like it's not like the NFL's blessed with a whole bunch of likable owners. Jeffrey Lurie might be one of the most likable owners. If only the Eagles had a dome on that stadium. Uh, but no, it, it seems like they're they're taking precautions. And look, everybody has to be honest about what the world is right now. The Super Bowl is supposed to be held in L.A. Mm-hmm. where the Grammys were just canceled. There are high COVID numbers and large restrictions. And the NFL doesn't necessarily want some of those restrictions to apply, particularly to if you want a full fan. Wait, you just made big news. Did you just say the Grammys have been postponed? Which one was postponed? It was the Grammys. Yeah. But, but- no, I'm devastated because I'm, sure, I'm sure it would be all artists. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, you just impressed the fact that I know that the Grammys was on and that it was postponed. That's like the most cultural relevant thing that I could say to you today. So, so I have a question. Chris Clary, from the, Chris Clary from the New York Times is supposed to be on to talk about the craziness of, of um, okay. what's going on with Djokovic. Is he um, he, no, he's trying. It's not it's not working. Uh, and and you just wonder whether the Australian government has him like in some holdings area with Djokovic. I don't know. I'm waiting to let him in here on the Zoom if he can get to us. Otherwise, if he wants to call on the phone. But I mean, that's a crazy, crazy story right there, because all you're expecting is the Australian Open to be regular tennis. And here it is. It's like an international controversy right now with one of the top players in the world hold up in a hotel for refugees with his visa revoked. It's not something that you see every day, right, Jeff? Nope, not at all. The whole thing is just bizarre. I, I, I don't, I really don't know what to make of it. Um, it's just, it's just bizarre. It, it is. And, and what I don't understand, and if we get Chris, I know he's trying. And here's what I want you to do. I want to see how long you can talk while, while I, I give Chris a call in. So this is, this is how we work on the fly. You're going to call a number. Well, look, so Wes, Wes, I'm sending you a number, work your magic. The thing that I don't really understand here is how this limbo happened because, and maybe Chris will be able to explain it to us because Djokovic thought he got an exemption to play in the tournament. But apparently the exemption was from the tournament, not from the government. And so the visa issue seems to be with the specifics of that exemption. So he got an exemption from the open, but not the country. And so the prime minister, he was pretty straightforward. The rule is very clear. You need to have a medical exemption. He didn't have a valid medical exemption. We make the call at the border and that's where it's enforced. So he's literally in a hotel right now waiting to hear from the Australian government whether he's allowed to come in. I've never seen anything like this. Did I did I vamp enough time for you there, or do I need to keep talking for you, Jeff? I don't know. I'm waiting to hear if Wes is pulling his magic and calling well, him. Hopefully, he's on the he's on the other side, getting him there. Look, I mean, there's other stories that are that are going to come out of this in terms of um, other players that that are out there that are coming back. Naomi Osaka is going to play in her first tournament since the U.S. Open. 
Um, and so we'll see what happens with that there. It just the whole thing to me is very confusing because here all you had, you have like a major tennis tournament and it's taking a back seat, the actual competition to this sideshow that's going on where Djokovic isn't the only player who's in a hotel. Another player is detained as well. Renata Varakova was detained by border officials. Czech officials are seeking an explanation, but she decided to leave the company, the country. So you've got Djokovic who's Why? there. Well, because I guess she didn't want to fight over getting in. I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I can only imagine, though, what's going on with everything. Let's bring the man on to talk about it himself. Christopher Clary, before you head to Australia, thanks for giving us a few minutes here. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. That's a lot to keep up with, huh? It's- are, 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 are they going to let you in? Your visa straight. That's the right question. I mean, I, I know, I know, I'm at least vaccinated, but I, who knows what that's going to get me? Hopefully, they'll at least get me a, get me dinner. I'm not sure it'll get me dinner the next day. All right. So, so, so the first big question is: This is the, always the first big, grand, you know, Grand Slam tournament of the year. Is is it is already become kind of a circus? Can you just tell us ex- exactly what is the issue with with Djokovic as far as? How did this happen that the team Australia said, come on in, and the government apparently either didn't know about it or backtracked on it? You know, that's the heart of the matter, really. I mean, I think we'll find out more when he's in court on Monday with his lawyers or Sunday our time, but Monday Australia time. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds to me like there was a miscommunication and it's hard to imagine they would make that kind of mistake with the players that important for them. But clearly he was, Based on the information that I saw, he was informed at least to get into the open and play. He was going to be okay with a, you know, a recent COVID positive that would have exempted him from having to get um, a vaccination. But the mm-hmm. rules for the Australian border, which is the federal government, were quite different the way it's playing out. And they were actually had warned Tennis Australia, the governing body, about this before they issued their statement. So something doesn't compute here. There's a missing, uh, there's a gap in the story. So we need to understand that, I think, to grasp, grasp it all. But it's clear there was some kind of miscommunication. I don't see Novak hopping on a plane and risking his reputation and all that without pretty strong assurance he's going to be able to get inside the country. So somebody along the way missed, uh, missed the connection. So we'll see what happens with that. I have a question about the, the gap in that story because the health minister said something that got my attention. She said the visa cancellation followed a review of his medical exemption by border officials who looked at the integrity of the evidence behind it. Are they saying that his stuff wasn't legit? Like, I'm still trying to figure out, like, how does this happen? How does one of the top players in the world end up in a hotel for refugees waiting a court hearing to decide <laughs> if he can play tennis? It's a great question. One I didn't think we'd ever have to ask, but here we are asking it. Um, I, think, I think the situation is people have the impression once you have a visa to Australia, for example, that's all you need. But in my case, I mean, Fingers crossed. I have a visa, but I still have to present the evidence at the border that substantiates that visa when I arrive. And I, I don't think it's incredibly uncommon that people have have issues when they uh, go into a country with as tight a border as Australia, which even in non-COVID times is you know pretty pretty tight. So in this instance, it could be a case of you know like 
had COVID in the last six months, and so he felt like he was uh, going to be exempt, and that was as simple as that. Or it could be a case that the documentation of whatever medical condition that he's claiming is of exemption um, is only one doctor from Serbia, or who knows? So it could be something that's just not, not enough in terms of uh, the Australian regulations, which are pretty strict on, on medical exemptions right now because the country's been through a lot, and they want to keep it tight. So we don't know the whole story yet, so I don't want to over-speculate, but I think the heart of the matter will probably come down to if he can prove that he was told the wrong thing by the tennis authorities, should the federal government cut him some slack and let him play? Or they want to keep a hard line. And what happened today, there was a, a Czech player who was basically in the same situation as Novak, I guess, who had claimed a recent COVID uh, positive for exemption from vaccine. And she was rounded up and, and basically asked to leave the country, which she's going to do. She's a double specialist, doesn't have Novak's means of defending herself, I'm sure. And, Maybe the Australians mean business here, but it's, it's a strange situation because of that gap in communication. Okay. So one of the things that I noticed that I thought was interesting was Rafael Nadal's response. He didn't seem particularly sympathetic to Djokovic. Well, you know, I think part of this, the backstory here is that Novak is, has stirred the pot a lot in men's tennis in recent years. And, and he's somebody who uh, has taken on the status quo in terms of this uh, player union that he's put together, which isn't, really officially a union, but feels like one. And also um, some of the things that have happened, like the incident with the, uh, the line judge at the U.S. Open when he was disqualified for inadvertently striking her with a ball he hit in frustration. So there's been a lot of sort of incidents. And I think Nadal likes things to be a little bit more straightforward and by the book. Novak shaking things up. So maybe that's a little bit of the backstory there. But in this case, I mean, this has been a long-running debate ever since the pandemic first began. Novak, as people will remember, he organized an exhibition uh, events in former Yugoslavia, including Serbia, and a bunch of players tested positive, including him, and they had to shut it all down. And there were scenes of them partying in discotheques and just really kind of out of tune with the times in every way. It was a very bad look and a bad situation. So that kind of set the tone for Novak in the COVID era. And so now here we are again. It's been almost a year and a half later, and He's still creating issues with his stance about vaccination and basically dominating all coverage of this tournament um, before it even starts. This is the biggest story and maybe even in sports right now. I don't know, but definitely in tennis. Well, you, you know, you must not be paying attention to Antonio Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Maybe the biggest story on inter- international sport. Let's put it that way. Exactly. You're right. So, so, so let's, let's assume Djokovic doesn't play. And if he doesn't play, what what is you, what are you as a writer uh, looking forward to going down there to cover it? What do you think is the story that'll come out of this? About Djokovic or just in general? No, about no. If you take Djokovic out of this, what what what's the story? What do you, what do you, what are you looking forward to seeing when you go down there? What what's the story that you're looking to cover from the tournament itself? What well, do you think are going to be? The well, cer- cer- certainly his 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 absence take some of the edge off the men's event because right now the most interesting thing is sort of the old guard of Nadal and Djokovic going up against the young guys and trying to hold them off and little, you know, a lot of success at times and other times frustration, Daniel Medvedev and Alexander Zverev, uh, new generation guys in their early twenties are coming on strong. So that's interesting to watch that class. So without that, obviously Nadal's comeback is big. We'll see how he does. He, uh, he's been out for quite a while. Hasn't really played serious, healthy tennis for six months. Uh, I'm more interested in the woman, to be honest, even without Serena Williams. It's not there, but I think to see how Naomi Osaka fares 
after what she's been through. She's come back, looks pretty good in her early matches. Um, I'm interested to see what Coco Goff, young American, uh, 17 years old only still, who has so much potential and has got some holes in her game, but trying to fill those in the off season has got a new coach working with her. So I think I'll be interested particularly in watching Osaka and Coco. And, I, and the women's game has been a spin of the roulette wheel for the last couple of years. So I'll be curious to see, you know, what number it lands on this time and whether anybody wow. can establish some dominance. Well, we wish you safe travels. We can't wait to read your coverage about it. We hope we get you back uh, stateside on the show when you come back uh, to talk about how the tournament went and how this whole crazy Novak story ends. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see if I get in, guys. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> we'll if I get in. I mean, suspense uh, is maybe killing sooner us. than you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a great one, okay? You too. Thanks so much, Jeff. What a nutty story. Could you, can you imagine an international incident over the Australian Open? Well, that, that's the weird thing. I think even the Serbian president has gotten involved at this point. And it, it, this is, you know, it's sports. That's what it should be. It is. It's just unbelievable to me that, that it's gotten to this point in everything. And, uh, we, have a, and we have a cliffhanger. Because we now have the suspense of whether or not our guest will be getting into a country. Nope, they'll have to join us next week. Thanks so much for joining us next week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.